Ever wish there was a fast way to get up to speed on a complicated topic? Well, you're in luck. This series might just be for you. As providers, it's hard to stay on top of all the specialties in a multi-specialty world. So join us for the month of October and get back in the loop about everything that's happening in cochlear implants, from the fundamentals to what's changing with candidacy, patient characteristics, and the latest in tech. And you're going to hear it from the best of the best. Hit the subscribe button and be the first to know when an episode drops for this Medod Pro Doc Talk special series podcast on cochlear implants, sponsored by Envoy Medical. Hi, and welcome to Doc Talk by Medod Pro. On today's episode of our CI series, we have got Dr. Teddy McCracken and, of course, my fabulous co-host, Camille Dunn. And hello. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome. Yeah, thank you uh, both for having me on. Uh, like you said, my name is Teddy McCracken. Uh, I am the medical director of the uh, cochlear implant program at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina. And I'm also uh, run the uh, cochlear implant quality of life research program here as well. You do a lot of good research around what the patients are really experiencing outside of the booth. You know, qualitative versus quantitative. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, we're so used to the quantitative. How does this qualitative approach, how is that change or how is it changing our field? I yeah. Think is it- yeah, you know, it's it, there's certainly more and more emphasis from a kind of a regulatory standpoint on uh, you know using patient-reported outcome measures and, and kind of these more real-world measures of patients' performance in real-world settings to kind of monitor outcomes and to kind of look at benefit of a you know a intervention, and that's kind of where our research has really focused. So it all began really with we were doing a trial uh, for a, a particular programming, the image-guided programming work. And we noticed that there were a lot of patients who were reporting an incredible benefit from the intervention, and they really were not scoring any better on their you know, speech recognition testing. And, and that was kind of the, what, what started the whole the process of this, and then started looking into our own patients and then mm-hmm. looking into other studies and seeing that there really is a, a quite a large disconnect between patients' you know, self-reported improvement and how they're doing in the audio booth, right, with their speech recognition testing. And there's really very low levels of kind of correlation between those two. And not only that is kind of when we started doing this research, recognizing that the benefits from cochlear implantation are not just limited to improvements in communication, right, but they spread to many other domains, you know, emotional state, uh, social abilities, listening effort, you know, inter- engagement with entertainment and really kind of un- hearing environmental sounds, you know, not just communicating with other people, but kind of understanding and identifying environmental sounds. So that's kind of where this, the, our research is focused. It's such good research and it's actually ties into a, a lot of the interests that I have and some of the more recent things that I've been doing in, in, in our laboratory here, which is, again, you touched on it, looking at real world outcomes. How has the cochlear implant in this situation changed their quality of life? And no matter how many times, you know, our patients come in, they're always giving us anecdotal comments about one thing or another. No matter how hard we try, CNC words, AZ bio sentences, and backgrounds of noise, they're just not 
going to pick up that kind of sensitivity when it, it comes to that. And payers want to know how is this changing patients' lives? You know, they most of the time don't really care about a CNC word score. They want to know how is it going to save me money, right? Right. And then they want to, they don't understand, right? CNC word scores and AZ bio scores and what those are, right? Yeah. Most, a lot of ENTs don't understand what those are, let alone like someone from a regulatory agency who's going to try to understand these things. But they recommend, they understand quality of life. They, they understand patient reported outcome measures and the scales that we use for these things. So they can kind of understand from one study to the next, they can have an idea of, of the improvement. And we give these things clear labels. And if, if the research is done well to kind of measure mm -hmm. these outcomes and, and to develop the instruments to measure the outcomes, then you know you can really get a, a much broader understanding uh, of the improvement that these patients are seeing. Yeah, that's that's really good. So some of the stuff that I'm doing, um, your stuff, you know, patients come in, you hand them a questionnaire, you have them fill it out. Um, we're doing some stuff where we are downloading an app on their phone, having them answer some of these questions while they're in their world. Um, how relatable do you think those two things are? Like thinking back to this situation when you're, I think they're different perspectives personally, you know, like here's what they think they're, how they think they're performing or how they think it's helped help them. And then the latter, the app type thing is really kind of what's going on. But what, what do patients tell us? They tell us what they think, right? When we rely on self-reported instruments, it's the patient self-report, right? Yeah. And, and so the benefit that they think they obtained, right? If you are measuring it before the intervention and after the intervention, it's still, it's just still relying on that self-report. But at the end of the day, it's kind of what matters, right? Yeah, exactly. Perceiving that they make the right decision to proceed with the cochlear implant or not. Yeah. And that's going to be really only measured by the perception that they are, that they, that what, what they perceive, right? If we can show them, you know, test, oh, you went from 20% to 80% on this. That's yeah. great. But if they say, yeah, that's great, but my communication is no better, right? Because yeah. communication is far more, much more broad than kind of understanding recept, you know, receptive speech, right? Yeah. It's much, much, much broad in, in the real world. So it's tough because we're always, you know, for all these instruments, you're relying on that individual's self-report. Um, but I think that's kind of what matters in the end. And the only yeah. other option would be to kind of Put a little camera on everybody and watch them interact in the real world and then we could right. all kind of we could all judge how we think that person or is. just jump yeah. in their backpack and exactly. walk around with them <laughs> exactly but that's not very realistic but the, you know the psychological momentary assessment stuff that you're working i mean it's wonderful at like, kind of getting closer to that it's interesting because i think as an audiologist even as a surgeon you know correct me if i'm wrong i think we look at these words we look at their sentences there's perception correct, whatever it is. And we we tend to kind of, for lack of a better word, stereotype that patient. Oh, they're a good user because they got X percent. Oh, they're a really poor user because they're, they got X percent. You know, what struck me and kind of what got me kind of on this pathway is, you know, I completely did that with one of our patients. We had a donor coming in that had donated different monies to our department for research and he wanted to talk to an implant patient and I would you know we had this patient here and I'm like oh gosh he's not that great of a user I don't know if that's going to be the person that we want the donor to talk you know 
but that was who we had. And so he went and asked him how he thought the cochlear implant changed his life. And I was thinking, oh boy, here it goes, you know? <laughs> and this patient just started crying, you know, just his lip quivered, his wife was patting him on the back saying how much it had changed his life. You know, I couldn't communicate. Now I can hear X, Y, and Z. It changed everything about my life. And when I tell this story, when I'm giving a talk, I said, it's one of those times where I wanted to take a picture of my middle finger and text it to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, how dare I judge that patient based on this word score? And it really hit me, it, 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 it affected me, it influenced me that that's what I had done. And instead, I, I need to take a step back and ask the patient. And that's exactly what you've done, Teddy, is you've developed a questionnaire, number one, that we're all using in our, in our clinics. But through this development, you've increased the conversation amongst colleagues, the importance of these subjective patient reports. Yeah, you know, Kimbell, I can I can add another anecdote to that. You know, when we were doing our focus groups to develop these instruments, you know, we did the same thing. We we separated patients based on their you know the amount of improvement yeah. they have with the cochlear implant and the different focus groups. And um, you know, we had a a, a woman uh, who had meningitis and okay. you, know, uh, you know, you know, deafened, had zero percent uh, CNC word scores before surgery, had zero percent CNC word scores after surgery, right? Mm. So I kind of purposely said, look, that's the kind of people we want. We want to include everybody uh, in these focus groups. And she was so happy with her implant. She was, because it made her from somebody, she said before she had her, she had, all she really had was environmental awareness. All she, you know, she couldn't really have, you know, uh, um, uh, she she relied on visual cues, right, for, Mm -hmm. to, to communicate with people. But in the audio booth, she did terrible, but it allowed her to go outside and interact with the world and walk her dog, which is what she'd love to do most of all. She lived in the city. And she said before she had her implant, she could not go outside because she was so scared. She was going to bump into something, get hit by a car, get hit by someone riding their bike next to one. But when she had her implant on, she could resume kind of her interaction with the real world and she could walk her dog every day and get her car on the street hear people walking by. And so, I mean, I, I think you're exactly right. You know, what we perceive as benefits, you know, we've, unless you, we've walked in their shoes, we really have no idea what mm-hmm. they're going through. And these instruments were kind of a, an opportunity kind of to bring that more to light. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. I, I think it's great. You're trying to set realistic expectations for patients before surgery about what their real life experience might be like, but then you have these types of examples how do you set realistic expectations for patients when you also have these types of outcomes that are very real too? That, that's been a real focus of our research uh, recently. So we, we uh, kind of have papers that have come out actually in the past two months. Um, one is actually we developed along with our uh, quality of life instrument, developed an expectation instrument where you can actually, you know, measure. So it, it, it corresponds exactly with our 35 item profile instrument. Each item is uh, correlates exactly with the other items, but the wording has changed to, I will be able to really for the first time to have a validated way of measuring how patients think they're going to perform with their cochlear implant. 
right? We're not good at predicting how patients perform with the cookware. Many years of research that we've kind of really still don't explain a lot of the uh, how patients do with the cochlear implant, but this allows us to kind of uh, measure how patients in each of these domains think how they're going to perform with the cochlear implant. So that's mm -hmm. one. The second part of it is this kind of staging system we've developed. It's a, it's a way of scoring our quality of life instrument into functional stages. So each domain has a number of functional stages and they're all psychometrically derived. And there's a lot of nerdy research that went into developing where these stages are. But what it allows us to do, get these stages of improvement after a cochlear implant. And from the response patterns, and it's all based on item response theory, but from the response patterns, which are very reliable, versus where someone scores on the zero to 100 scale, you can actually create clinical vignettes for how those patients are performing. So rather than saying, oh, you know, you're at a 30, we expect you to perform at a 60, you know, mm -hmm. um, it, that means nothing, right? But using the staging system actually allows words to be put into what a score of 60 means, right? And you can, for example, for the communication domain, you can say how that person might interact with um, a, a crowded environment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how much they'll rely on lip reading, how much, uh, how they'll do in quiet environments. And so you can get an idea of how people are performing. And you know, we, we've collaborated with 30 centers throughout the United States to collect these data. And it's 700, we have responses from 705 CI users, adult CI users. So we actually have some kind of normative data um, for how patients with cochlear implants perform. So we can now you know, measure someone's expectation and look at the kind of, you know, we can't predict how that person is gonna perform, but we can say, look, if you think you're gonna score at an 80, right? Or is there stage five? then, you know, there's really only about 15%, right, of cochlear implant users ever perform at that level. Right. And then, and this is what that means, right? This is what that a score of 80 means. This is how you think you're performing. But let's back up to see what a score of 50, because they're all based on a right around 50 of how the average cochlear implant user performs. This is how the average cochlear implant perform. And so, and also we can give them the CIQ uh, quality of life, not the expectation, but the actual you know, performance uh, instrument preoperatively, right? Yeah. How they're doing currently with their hearing aid or, or no hearing aid, and then compare all of those together to really start to develop kind of an evidence-based model of, of performing cochlear implant evaluation. So rather than kind of using our own personal bias of how we think people perform or can talk on the telephone, all these things that we've used over the years, or, or just use percentages of improvement mm -hmm. in speech recognition, right? The average person gets a score of 60 on the CNC words. I mean, that doesn't really mean a lot to patients but starting to kind of integrate all of the expectations and the um, staging system together kind of gets us closer to that goal. So one of the things that I always talk about is that the subjective questionnaire. So there's, as you mentioned, there's different ones that we've given in the past. There's these newer ones like what you have created. We give it to the patient when they walk in, they take the questionnaire, we program them, we do their CNCs, we talk to them about, you know, whatever, they leave, and then somebody enters that into the database, and we may or may not look at it until the next time they come in. Um, and, and so for me, it's like, how can we build this into a tool that we use throughout that whole appointment? How can we build the information we're getting from these subjective questionnaires into counseling? How can we build it into their rehab? That to me seems like the foundation, the basis of what we're doing. We're trying to change everything that they're responding to on, the, on those questionnaires or improve it. 
right? So how, how, is, how do we build that in so it's more set up in our clinic? Yeah, yeah. you're really, you're set, setting me up, Camille. The, this is exactly work we're trying to do. <laughs> To get it, because um, the problem, you're exactly right. I mean, even in our own clinic, right? Yeah. We miss about 20% of patients that we miss on the patient reported outcome measures or, you know, some sort of outcome yeah. that we're interested in. We, we miss the data and you're exactly right. We often look at it and retrospectively. Right. And so how do we kind of integrate it and how do we actually use it to make decisions for patients? And that, that's right. really the next step of this work. That's where all of this really has been leading to and make it so it's not... I mean, these things are painful to score sometimes, you know, there's reversed items and doing it in real time is not so easy. And we've tried to help with kind of automated yeah. you know, scoring versions of it, but it's just not easy to do. And we're all very, very busy. And so, yeah, that's, you're exactly right. And, and kind of build solutions to these is kind of the next step. And that's kind of, we're working with our, um, some teams here to do exactly that, to kind of get all of this evidence basically integrated into our everyday workflow. Yeah. I think that's great. One thing too, I think about patient having realistic understanding the spouse or the family from their people that they spend all the time with, like to do better when maybe that isn't a possibility or maybe they should be doing better and they're not right. That, I mean, it could work both ways, but what a gift too, for the family to have a better way to think, yeah. you know, cause I feel like it's either on or off, you know, they don't really have a much of a scale. Well, you know, when they're thinking about success, you know, you kind of touch on a point when patients come in a lot of times for their cochlear implant evaluation, we'll be testing the patient on words or sentences and the spouse or the caregiver or whoever it is, is sitting in the room with us and they can hear the response because we have the audiometer so we can hear the patient and that patient could also hear what the question is just because of the way the setup is. And I think it always shocks the caregiver or spouse or whoever it is, how much their, the patient is missing. You know, they'll always almost, you know, sometimes we have patients, spouses crying because they'll say, I had no idea that he missed that much. I had no idea he couldn't understand X. And I think some of that stuff is helpful to, to involve caregivers, spouses, mm -hmm. significant others, whoever it is. I think it's a great point. Absolutely, because they're often the driver, right, for why that person ends up in your clinic, right? It's those yeah. partners are the people who kind of often identify a lot of these problems, and it, it, it bothers it's bothersome to them as, as much as to the patient. So they can really be motivators. You know, yeah. Sure. Well, and the message that we've heard so much throughout this podcast has, has been, you know, how much more successful patients are today than 10 years ago, five years ago. The outcomes are have really changed. And in one of the episodes that we did, my girlfriend, KK, her mom was implanted at 90. She's 90 years old. And, you know, and she was a caregiver for her husband in her seventies and eighties. Like it would have been such a gift, but she didn't because she was doing all of that and waited until after and how much it has changed her life in her 90. And she's like, we didn't know what to expect and how hard it was to make that decision. And just even having a way to think about what they might be able to expect to help them make a decision about surgery, let alone to be able to manage expectations after. I mean, there's just so many different ways you could use 
these types of tools. Now we're talking CI, but I mean, even with hearing aids and it, I mean, it just kind of goes on and on. And I mean, we're not telling anybody, any, anybody that's listening to this, that manages hearing loss or touches hearing loss anywhere understands it, but it really right. is such a powerful thing when you get into this real world aspect of connecting it back to the science and the testing and the decision-making around like what the next step is for a patient or the treatment path, <laughs> Thank it's, you. but it's hard work. I mean, that's a lot of data. Well, we've got a know, wonderful play. consortium that we kind of work with who've, who've helped a lot, but um, yeah, it, and very, uh, very indebted to all the, uh, the research participants who are willing to kind of voice their opinions to help with the research. Yeah, well, it's it's great work. So, well, I appreciate your time today so much, Camille. Yeah, thanks for having me. We appreciate, oh, it's been great. Yeah, and we appreciate the work that both of you are doing. It sounds like you're very aligned in your research, which I didn't realize, Camille, after, I mean, I'm on like whatever episode it is and I'm still <laughs> learning things about the, what Camille is doing. I guess I need to do another yeah. podcast with Camille. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to um, snap, <laughs> snapping myself my middle finger. So <laughs> I know I, I, I have this vision of, of a, framed picture sitting on your desk now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both so much. And thank you for taking the time and the work that you guys are doing and great, uh, just a great, great information. And I'm glad that we could share it out with the, with the world today. So thanks. Thank you for listening to this special series of Doc Talk by Medod Pro sponsored by Envoy Medical.